we have been in a series over the last several weeks called Learning to Lament. Lament might be a new word for you. It was a new word for a lot of us when we started studying this. Uh, But lament is actually this really powerful tool that God gives us in his word that teaches us how to pray, how to talk to God when we're really struggling, when we're really in pain, when we're, when we're really feeling grief or, or some type of sorrow in our lives. Lament is this great prayer language that we can use to connect to God in those times. And so we've been learning about this. We've been learning this, that there's four steps to lament. A couple we talked about the first step, which is turning to God. And lament, rather than turning away from God when we're in pain, we need to turn to God. And then the second step we talked about last week, which might be a little strange for some of you, is that we need to learn to complain to God. <laughs> Sometimes we think that that's like off limits, like we can't complain to God, right? Like he's God. But, but actually the scripture gives us lots of examples to correctly bring our complaints, bring our struggles to God so that he can meet us in those struggles. And so today we're going to talk about step number three, which is Ask how we need to come and we need to ask God in boldness to help us and to meet us in the middle of our pain. And so I think this is going to be applicable for all of us. Even if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I think this message will be helpful to you uh, as it has been to me this week as I've been putting it together. So Psalm 22, ask God in boldness. Um, We have three girls in our family. I have three daughters. And uh, we have one of them in particular who tends to be uh, a little more independent um, and, and she's a perfectionist on top of it. You know, parents, all your kids are different, right? Like, she's our one that's independent, perfectionist. And so she, she always wants to do things herself, and she always wants to make sure that she does them right, <laughs> which um, I can totally sympathize with. I can appreciate because that's kind of my personality as well. But what this happens a lot of times is when she runs up against something that she can't do, when, there, when something comes up that like, she can't handle on her own, she, she tends to just kind of shut down. Right, like she, she'll pout, she'll, she'll cross her arms and mope around and stomp and kick things. And like, because she just, sometimes she, she gets so mad, so frustrated, even with herself, that she can't fix the problem. And it really, really bothers her. But regardless of whatever it is, there's one thing that almost she always refuses to do, which is ask for help. Right? Even though there's plenty of people right there around her who are willing to help her, who are able to help her. In her frustration and just getting caught up in the struggle, she just can't bring herself to ask for help. But you know what I found? That's not just a kid problem, is it? Anybody else ever struggle with that? Right? Like when you're in the middle of the pain and the frustration, like you're just trying to fix it, you're trying to, to get it worked out, and you just want to just do it yourself, but you can't. And sometimes when we're stuck in that struggle, we have a hard time asking for help. Turning to God, the one who actually can help us in the midst of that. And so lament in the Bible gives us this better solution in the midst of our pain. It gives us this ready access to God who can help us in the midst of our struggle. And so that's what I'm going to show you today in Psalm 22. This is a great example here in this Psalm of Lament. But the main idea this morning is this, boldly asking God in lament shifts my focus from my circumstances to character. That's where we have to look to get the help that we need. And so 
Boldly asking God elements shifts my focus from my circumstances, what I'm in in the moment, to the character of God. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Look at verse 1 in Psalm 22. He starts off like this. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. So the first point this morning, the first word that you have to have this morning if you're going to learn how to ask God for help in the midst of lament is the word yet. Because yet is the bridge to asking. This is what bridges us from that moment of pain and complaint and struggle to getting into a conversation with God where we can actually ask him for help. Now, we don't actually see that word yet because in verse 1 of chapter 22, we have this phrase. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is perhaps the most well-known question of lament in all of the Bible. Because that is the question that Jesus himself asked of God when he was dying on the cross for our sins. He cries out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's turning to lament. This isn't just something he tells us to do. This is something Jesus did. At his most painful moment, at his biggest point of struggle, he turns to God, he complains to God, why have you forsaken me? Implying then the rest of this psalm, which is him asking God for help in that moment. So look what happens in verse 3. Then that one statement, he turns, he complains, and then verse 3 gets us into the asking part. Verse 3 says, yet, there's our word, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried, they trusted and were not put to shame. Yet is a very key word in lament. Because yet is that moment when you're turning back to God in the midst of your pain, in the midst of the complaint. Yet becomes this bridge that moves us from complaint to boldly asking for help. And it's based in and it flows from the hope that we have in God's character, in God's history, his track record, right? Like, look what he says there. He says, you are holy. Unlike us, unlike the sinfulness of this world, unlike the brokenness that we live in, he is holy and perfect. He is enthroned, it says. That God alone is the sovereign king over everything, ruling over every moment of pain and struggle. He is right there. And he says that you have delivered and you have rescued your people. God, you are mighty to save. You've done it before. You will do it again. But he's saying all of this not when the pain is over, not when he's finally gotten through it. He's saying it right in the middle of his pain and complaint. He goes on in the next couple of verses to lay out his complaints a little bit more. And then we get down to verse 9, and he says it again. Look at verse 9. It says, Yet, you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and on, from my mother's womb you have been my God. Again, he says, yet. 
He's, he's trying, even in the midst of the struggle, he's trying to move towards God in his pain and his sorrow and his complaints. He's saying, yet, yet is where we start to wrestle with the pain of life and the truth of God at the same time. Side by side. He says right here, he says, you have been my God through it all. From the moment of my birth, you have been my God. Most of us have lived life long enough to understand that life changes, right? Like this isn't just one steady stream. There's constantly ups and downs and struggles and pains. Like life is this constantly changing thing that we're trying to to maneuver our way through. And so hard times come because life changes. But here's the glory of does not He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we can always turn and ask Him for help in the midst of our pain. Yet, that one little word, yet, is the bridge that can deliver us out of the cul-de-sac of complaint. When we get in that place where there's so much pain, so much struggle, we're just circling and complaining and complaining and complaining. And that's okay. God can hear that. But there comes a point where he wants to take us out of that complaint and yet is the bridge that does that. It's the moment where we turn back to God. And it's it's where pain and faith start to coexist again. Yes, the pain is still there, but so is God. Right in the middle of it. The pain doesn't have to stop before I start asking for help. You say it like this, yet is what moves us from the why of complaint to the who of response. God is the answer. I was thinking about this week, and I was trying to come up with a visual, and I was, I was thinking about eclipses. You know, like a, like a solar eclipse, you know what I'm talking about? Solar eclipse is where the moon mo- kind of moves in front of the sun and covers up the majority of it. You can still kind of see the little rim around it, but it, it pretty much covers the, the sun completely. Yet is the moment where God's character, who he is, comes in and starts to eclipse the pain and the struggle in our lives. The pain's still there. The sun's still there. It doesn't go away. But God's character moves in front of it, and God's character starts to become the focus of our hearts and the focus of our minds rather than the pain that we're walking through. That's what yet does for us. Is there anything in your life that you've stopped asking God for? That the pain has just become so much, it's been going for so long, like you just, you've just got the place where I just, I can't, I can't even ask anymore. I'm just, I'm just done. Maybe it's praying for that wayward child or, or that lost spouse that you've been praying for for decades, but 
still no movement, some other family member, some other relationship that you have. Maybe you've been praying that God would praying that God would heal your body from some physical ailment that just won't go away. And you're getting tired. Or maybe it's meeting some financial need in your life. And it just seems like there's never quite enough to make the next thing. For some of us as Christians, I think we've gotten cold to the Lord and we've stopped asking him to do a new work in our lives and in our church, in our community. We've stopped praying for revival. That God would set a fire in people's hearts and bring people to himself. We look around at all the chaos and all the craziness and we're like, I'm just ready to be done. God, just take me home. Like, this is, I'm out. And God's saying, no, I still have something to do here. You need to keep asking me to move. Whatever that is for you, turn to yet. Let yet become your new favorite word in Scripture and read these Psalms and let it breathe life into turning yourself back to who God is so that he can do whatever it is you're asking him to do. Let yet be your bridge from complaining to asking God for help. This is the step. So first we need yet to turn us out of complaint and towards God. But then there's something else we see here in this psalm that we need if we're going to really ask God. That's point number two, boldness. We need boldness. Because boldness is the power of asking. That's where the power of God comes and infuses our lives. I want you to notice the urgency and the expectation with which the psalmist is praying in these verses. Look at verse 11. He cries out to God. He says, be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. God, I am right in the middle of this, and there is nobody helping me. Where are you at? Why aren't you here? He goes on in verse 19. He says, but you, O Lord, do not be far off, for you are my help. Come quickly to my aid. He's like, God, I need you right now. Not tomorrow, not next week. Like right now in the midst of the struggle, come, help. Verse 20, deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. His pain and his sorrow have made him desperate. Desperate for God to show up and do something. Like, he's praying with such boldness and such expectation. Like, he's almost demanding. Do you hear that? Like, he's not really even asking God. He's demanding, God, you have to do this. He's asking confidently because he knows who God is and what he And so I see here three things about bold praying. Number one, bold praying is desperate. We pray differently when we're desperate, right? When you really get to the end of yourself and you're hurting and you're grieving and you're suffering, pain shows us this new depth, this, this, how truly deep our need is for help. It shows us how powerless we 
It makes us even more aware of our weaknesses. And so it changes the way we pray. That's honestly the blessing of suffering. I know that sounds weird. Like nobody likes suffering, right? Nobody signs up for that. But there is a blessing in it. And it's the fact that God uses it to show us how much we truly need him. It gets us to a place of desperation and it pushes us to pray with boldness. So bold praying is desperate. Bold praying is also dependent. When you really get to this place of bold praying, you're not just asking God to do something. You are in a place of asking God to be with you because you are in total dependence on him. Not just what you need from him, but him. Like actually dependent on him, believing that he is the only one who can carry you through this life and through this pain and this struggle. I once heard somebody say, when God is all you have, you realize God is all you need. That's the place of bold, dependent praying. Bold prayer is desperate, it's dependent, and thirdly, it's contagious. I know we don't really like to talk about contagiousness these days. Um, it kind of gets everybody like a little on edge. But it is. Bold praying is contagious because sometimes when you are desperate and you are dependent, you can still struggle to play with, pray with boldness because you're just tired. And the pain has just zapped your hope. And it's crushed your spirit and your faith is shaky. And you just don't feel like you have it in yourself to pray with boldness. So it's hard to pray with boldness. It's hard to pray expecting a better outcome. And that's when you need somebody else, someone in your life, someone who loves you, someone who's close to you, to come and to pray with you and to pray for you so that their boldness can become your boldness. And infuses it into you. I'll give you an example. A few years back, I, I just kind of out of the blue, I started having some problems with my, with my lower back. I was having a lot of pain and, and, and uh, problems, and it was, just, it was getting severe enough that it was somewhat debilitating. Like I couldn't really do my normal routine, my normal job stuff. And so I went and I saw several doctors. I went to a couple therapists, physical therapists, went to some, um, uh, some chiropractors. I like just couldn't get it fixed. Like they, they, it would help a little bit, but then it would get bad again. It just nothing seemed to be working. And I was praying about it, but there came a point where I was just like, all right, this is just going to be my new normal. This is, I'm just going to have this for the rest of my life. I'm just going to have to deal with it. That's fine. So we'll just kind of power through. And so honestly, I just kind of stopped asking God for help with that. I just like, I'm, I think it's, this is just it. But one day I went to this uh, Plant Midwest. It's a, a group of churches that were a part of here in St. Louis. They had, a, they had a gathering of pastors. We all got together and we were praying together in small groups. And there came one point during the prayer time where they asked if anybody in the room had a physical illness or ailment that they needed prayer for. And so I kind of stepped up into our, our circle and I said, yeah, I'm actually been having these problems with my back and it's not going away and nothing's fixing it. And so this brother that I knew, barely knew, he steps into the circle and he takes both of his hands and he kind of puts both of his hands around my midsection. And he starts praying so boldly for prayer in my back. And he, the whole time he's praying, he's kind of like, like almost like he's pressing his prayers 
into my back. And he's praying so boldly and with such expectation in that moment that all of a sudden I felt the spirit inside of me. Like, yeah, 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 I th- yeah, God could actually do this. Like, his boldness became my boldness, and I started to like, believe again that God can actually heal. And I didn't walk away that day perfectly healed, but I will say this. I had, ex- I had a very advanced improvement that day. And ever since then, it's gotten a little bit better and a little bit stronger. But in that moment, I didn't have it in me. His boldness became my boldness as he was praying for me and with me, taking this and asking God for help in this. Sometimes we need that. We need each other. This is why the community of God, the church of God, is so important that we do this together. Praying boldly for yourself and others to experience the power of lament. If we're really going to get lament, if it's really going to make a difference in our lives, it has to come to a place where we're not just praying, we're not just asking, we're praying with boldness and expectation that God will answer, that God will respond. So, yet is the first part. Boldness is the second part of asking God. And then the third thing I want to show you today in point number three is just variety. Look at this variety of prayers. Step point, point number three is variety, the hope to keep asking. I think sometimes when we're struggling with pain in our lives, when we're struggling with something that we're going through, we don't really think or really believe that the Bible can help. We think that our situation is so unique, that they're so, it's so you know, specific, that there's not going through, right? And so we have problems believing that. But I want to show you just through the Psalms today, the Psalms are full of Psalms of lament. And I want to show you nine different types of requests in these Psalms. I know nine's a long list. I'll be quick, please. All right, don't zone out. I, I'll get you out of here. You're okay. But nine types, I saw some of your eyes just go like, woo, Okay. <laughs> Nine types of requests that touch every area of our lives. There is a psalm of lament that you can pray no matter what situation you're going through. God meets you there. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Nine different types of lament. And again, this comes from Mark Vogop's book, um, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. He has this list that I think is just super helpful. So the first one is this, Arise, O Lord. This comes from Psalm 10, 12. It's, he says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. This is a call for God to fix what is wrong in the world. Could be in your life, could be in the life of a loved one, could be in just the, the world around you. But calling for God to show up like true, divine intervention. God, do something with this. Asking God, to show up and to help. Arise, O Lord. And it's not just Psalm 10. We have this in Psalm 3, Psalm 7, Psalm 9, Psalm 17, Psalm 74, Psalm 94. Like it's over and over and over again in there. He says, arise, O Lord. Help. Show up in this situation. That's the first type. Second type is grant us help. Psalm 60, verse 11 and 12. O grant us help against the foe, for vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly, valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. 
This one's unique because this is that confession that we truly need him, we need his help, and that we aren't as self-sufficient as we think we are. In our day-to-day lives, we tend to get on this horse where we think that we can pretty much handle it ourselves. And when pain comes and rocks your world, it's a reminder that you can't. And you need a psalm, you need a lament like this that's confessing, Lord, I need your help. I am dependent on you. I cannot do this by myself. Grant us help. That's number two. Number three, I love this one. Number three is remember your covenant. Psalm 25, 6 says, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. When the psalmist calls God, when he tells God to remember, you understand, right? It's not because God forgot. Okay, God doesn't forget things. When he's saying, God, remember, he's saying rather, God, remember what, you, what you've said? Remember what you promised? Fulfill that now. Bring those promises to light in my life, in my situation. Be who you said you are. Fulfill what you said you would do here, right now. It's calling on the promises of God to show up in your life or in your situation. Remember your covenant. Fulfill your word, O Lord. Number four, let justice be done. This is Psalm 83, verses 16 through 18. It says, fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. Psalms like this sometimes are a little bit hard for us to read because it sounds like that you're praying down, you know, fire on somebody. But really, it's asking God to bring justice and to bring punishment when it's due. God is a just God, and He will eventually punish evil and sin and wickedness if it's not repented of and this is just calling God to do that and I think it's important to understand that when you call for this you're not asking for justice just because of your own pain right it's not just not like just because you're you know your neighbor you know messed up your grass again like that's not what we're talking about here it's not just because you've been hurt in some way you're asking God's justice to prove who he really is to show his glory to show his character, that he is in control, and that the wrongs will be made right. Praying that his justice might shine through the darkness. Number four is let justice be done. Number five, don't remember our sins. We all need this one sometimes. This is the the most famous psalm, Psalm 51, where David is praying to the Lord, and he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Sometimes our pain and our struggle is a result of our own sin. Right? We're just reaping the consequences. It's a result of our own sin. That's one of those moments where we need to pray, don't remember our sins. I think sometimes when we know that the pain is a result of our own sins, we don't feel like we can pray to God about that. Like we don't feel like, we're, like we can actually ask him to do anything because we're like, I know this is on me. But the scripture says the opposite. That even in pain, even the consequences of our own sin, we can turn to God and ask him for mercy and grace and he is willing to give it. 
You don't have to punish yourself. What you need to do is turn to God and let him meet you in the midst of that and shower you with his love and his mercy and his grace. Don't remember our sins, oh God. That's number five. Number six is restore us. Restore us. Psalm 80 verse 3 says, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This one is specifically asking God some future restoration. That there's something that needs spiritual healing. That there's something that needs to be fixed and restored back to how God designed it to be. This could be yourself. This could be your own soul, your own heart. You could be praying for restoration in your marriage. You could be praying for restoration in your family or in some other relationships that are broken. You could be praying for restoration in your church if there's disunity or struggle happening there. You could pray for restoration of a community or a nation where sin is running rampant. You could even pray for the final restoration when one day Jesus Christ will come in all of his glory and take us with him in all things will be restored. Whatever it is that you need, you can pray and ask God, please restore us, O God. Bring restoration in this situation. Number seven, don't be silent. Psalm 28, verses one through two says this. It says, to you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pits Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards you, to, towards your most holy sanctuary. We talked about this last week a little bit. It was distant, right? He just, it feels like he's, like he's far away or that he's silent, that he's not responding, like he's not, we can't seem to connect with him in that moment. And this is one of those laments, this is one of those psalms for that time. Crying out to God, listen to me. Hear my prayers. Respond. I need you, God. I need your help. I need you to answer me in this. It's okay to ask for that. And it's not because God's not there. We know that. We know that he's there. We know that he's listening. But sometimes we just can't quite hear or see or feel. We're asking God, break through. Break through the, the coldness. Break through the hardness let me hear you again. Number eight is teach me. Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I mentioned this kind of earlier a little bit, but, but pain is a very unique opportunity for us to learn from God. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to to in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the sorrow, cry out to God and say, Lord, teach me. What do you want me to know? What do you want me to learn? How do you want to grow me in this? Lord, teach me in the middle of the pain. Help me not to waste this trial in my life. The trials are going to come anyways. We can't avoid them. So we might as well get something out of them. Right? There's no reason to, to suffer for no, no purpose, for no outcome. Like, God, teach me. Teach me in the middle of this. That's number eight. Number nine, last one, is vindicate me. Vindicate me. This is Psalm 35, 23 through 24. It says, awake, rouse yourself for my vindication. 
for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness. Let them not rejoice over me. This one is for when you have been attacked. When you've been maligned. When you've been slandered in some way. When someone has come against you in a way that is false and you know it's not true. This is an opportunity to cry out to God and say, God, defend me. Defend my character. Defend my name. Bring the truth to light. Make it what is true about me, God. This is an opportunity to ask God for help rather than turning to bitterness against that person or counterattack against that person. Asking God to be the one who brings justice and brings the the vindication for your name and letting him handle it. Nine different requests for all these different ways in which we experience pain and struggle in our life. The Psalms meet us in every single one of them. But no matter what it is that you need to ask God for, no matter how you need to ask, you can always ask with boldness because Jesus fully understands what you're going through. I want to give you one more verse. This is from the New Testament, Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, with boldness, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. That he completely understands what you're going through because he too lived a life of lament. You know what the Bible calls Jesus? The man of sorrows. Because perhaps more than any human on the face of the earth, Jesus experienced pain and heartache and sorrow and struggle. He suffered injustice. He suffered hypocrisy. He suffered false accusations against him. He he suffered physical weakness and pain in his body. He suffered temptation to sin. He suffered betrayal by a close friend. He suffered feelings of abandonment from his own heavenly father. Jesus understood what it meant to hurt and suffer and have pain. And his common response throughout his life, every time pain came, was that he would pray and quote, Laments. Multiple times throughout the Gospels, we see him praying and quoting laments from the Psalms, just like he did on the cross. Jesus gets it. He does. He understands your pain. And so we can approach him, and we can ask with boldness, because we know he understands and that he will respond with grace and mercy. So what do you need to ask God for this morning? What pain or struggle have you been carrying on your own, all alone, 
and you just can't carry it anymore. You just keep hitting that wall. You can't seem to fix it. You can't seem to shake it. You can't seem to get your way through it. You need help. Yet. Yet, God is there. Yet, God is listening. God is able and ready and eager to help you. All you have to do is ask. Where do you need to ask God for help right now? Is it a physical pain? Are you suffering under some health thing right now? Is it financial hardship? Is it some relational turmoil in your life with somebody else that you care about and just it's not right? Maybe you just need comfort in your grief. Like there's nothing really to do. You just need somebody to come near you as you're grieving a loss. Maybe it's restoration from sin. For some of you here today, you need help this morning with eternal life. You need help because you've been living and you've been walking in this world and living a life of sin and darkness. And because of that, you are under the judgment and the wrath of God right now. And today, he's giving you an opportunity to turn from that. He's giving you an opportunity to ask for help and for all your sins to be washed away and for his mercy and his grace to cover your life and to change you, just like the testimonies that we heard this morning from the baptismal tank. Right now, you're set to spend eternity separated from God in hell. But that can change. Yet, God is here and ready to forgive and to make you one of his children right here, right now. We're all sinners, and myself included. Like, I'm not up here preaching down to you. We all come into this life sinners, rebellious against God, and and headed for wrath and hell, short of being saved by Jesus Christ. And so God, in his love, in his mercy, he sent his son to come to be born as a man, to live a perfect and sinless life. And then to go to the cross and to give that life as a sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. He went there as a substitute for us. He stood in our place. He took the wrath, the punishment, the death that we deserve. He took it upon himself and he died in our place. And he was buried and three days later he rose back to life. To prove that he was God. And to offer forgiveness to all who will believe. If you will turn from your sin and ask God to save you, he will do it. All you have to do is ask. From a sincere heart, just ask him, Lord, save me from sin. Change my life. Some of you need to do that today. Stop waiting. 
Stop looking for other answers. Stop going down dead-end streets. It's not gonna, you're not going to find it anywhere else. This is the only place to be set free from your sin, to give, be given life eternal, is by faith in Jesus Christ. Ask him today. Boldly asking God and lament shifts my focus from my circumstances to his character. I'm getting ready to pray, and as I pray this morning, I want to invite you to shift your focus. Shift your focus off of whatever pain you're going through. Look at God. Look at his character. Look at who he is. Look at his word, and ask God for help. Ask him to help you in your suffering. Ask him to help you find hope again. Ask him to save you from your sin if you have not done that yet. This is your moment. Just ask him. Stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We praise you, God, for this time to gather together today, Lord, to hear testimonies of you changing lives, saving people from darkness, Lord, rescuing their hearts from sin. God, we, we are awestruck by that every time we hear it. Lord, you are so good to us. You are so gracious and merciful and loving. God, you meet us in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our struggle. God, you don't ask us to clean up. You don't ask us to fix it. You just ask us to come and ask we need you. We need your help in our lives today. We can't carry this pain. We can't carry the struggle. We can't carry the sin alone anymore. Lord, we need your help. So we're crying out to you right now. Cry out to God right now. Lord, help me. Lord, we're asking in boldness that you would come, that you would help us, that you would meet every need in this place. Lord, that you would heal these hearts. Lord, that you would save souls in this place right now, Holy Spirit. Come and meet them. Change them, God. Deliver them. You are able and you will do it. Lord, we know you. We, we know that you can. We know that you will. Lord, fulfill your promises in our lives today. We need you right here, right now. We pray all of this in Christ's name.